Grace, mercy, and the peace of our God, the one who is our help in ages past and our hope for years to come. Amen. It's July 4th. This is a day that we celebrate sparklers, fireworks, backyard barbecues, parades, or some combination of those things in years like this when no one was quite sure what we would be able to do come July 4th until pretty recently. The movie Braveheart, which came out in the 1990s, covers the story of William Wallace, who was in Scotland, and rallying the troops, he said to them, what will you do without freedom? Will you fight? And he goes on to say, they may take our lives, but they will never take our freedom. Or more recently, the Broadway phenomenon, Hamilton. Raise a glass to freedom, something they can never take away. Common among these scenes, a longing for freedom. Whether it's in Scotland rebelling against the British or in the Northeast U.S. rebelling against, well, the same British government. There's a longing for freedom. Everyone wants to be free. Polly told me something that she saw on social media recently. Treason is the reason for the season. <laughs> Which is it's kind of funny. We're glad though, right? We're really glad. For July 4th, we're glad for the freedom that we enjoy. But everyone wants to be free. Not just people who celebrate political freedom within the context of our nation, but everyone, those who are bound, those who are bound in slavery want to be free. There's a longing for freedom. So in the dark history of this nation, there were those who were bound in slavery and songs of freedom that were sung among the slaves, longing for that day when those chains would be removed and that bondage would be ended they longed for freedom. Prisoners of any kind long for freedom. Those who are incarcerated long to be free. Those who are trapped also long to be free. Trapped in circumstances. Poverty and its vicious cycle. Those who are trapped in that cycle long to be free. Those who are entrapped in pain, emotional pain, physical pain, psychological pain, long for freedom, freedom from that pain, freedom from that struggle, whatever the struggle may be, there's a longing for freedom. Anyone enduring hardship longs to be free. If you've been burdened by guilt, guilt from the past, and you've carried it and carried it and carried it day after day after day, there's a longing for freedom, a longing to be set free, a longing for loneliness to be relieved. All that longing is an expectation, a hope for freedom. And from March of 2020 until pretty recently and still kind of ongoing, we've had conversations and ongoing desire for life to be back to normal, 
And as I look across the room, it looks closer than it has for a while. But there's this longing that we wouldn't have mandates, we wouldn't have restrictions, we wouldn't have to shelter in place, that we could go where we wanted and do what we wanted to do like it used to be. A longing for normality, in some ways a longing for freedom, freedom from pandemic life. But freedom and independence are not quite the same, right? July 4th really is a celebration of national independence from the British monarchy, from tyranny and taxation, and that's what was overthrown by, well, Hamilton and his compatriots who banded together to overthrow the British. So America is now a nation of independence and freedom, and it has been ever since, that we we have this independence and freedom kind of built now into our identity, into our national DNA. We're not completely free. We can't do whatever we want at all times. July 4th is often celebrated with fireworks, and I remember going on a family vacation south from where we lived in Ohio down, I think, to Alabama, and coming back, we stopped in Tennessee And there was this tent on the side of the road where we were, some U.S. highway probably passing through Nashville, I think it was, and and this tent set up temporarily because inside that tent were tables and tables of fireworks. And as a teenage young man, I was excited to have some fireworks. I mean, anything that explodes is exciting when you're a teenage kid, right? And so I went into the tent, and I'm looking around, and the guy who's working there says, oh, well, just let me know if you want to see something. What do you mean? So he steps out, just barely out from under the tent, with a bottle in his hand, and he's lighting bottle rockets that are shooting up over the street. And my mom and dad are getting a little nervous that one of those is going to go into the tent and blow all that stuff up while we're standing there, which did not happen just in case you were worried that something bad happened to me and I didn't survive that experience. I did. I went away with a bag of fireworks that I took home. I don't know if it was those fireworks or other fireworks, but at some point, my sister had told me about a party that she went to where guys were shooting bottle rockets into the pool. And so once bottle rockets are burning, they don't uh, get extinguished by the water. So you can shoot them into the pool and they go under the water. Sounds cool. So I filled a bucket with water and I took a bottle rocket and lit it and held it in my hand until it was just about to, right? Let it go into the bucket. Oh, that's fun. Soft drinks used to come in 16-ounce pint glass bottles. Many of us remember this. Do you know where this is going, Kevin? <laughs> He's shaking his head like, this is just not going to end well. And they're colored glass, some of them. So we had a green glass bottle, and I thought, well, that, the light going from this fire, they would look cool through this green glass, right? So we start letting them go into the bottle, and the 
water comes up out of the top. That's awesome. It makes a little fountain. What a great way to celebrate national independence. Because <laughs> that's what I was doing. So I'm doing that for a while, and um, my sister keeps backing up a little further and a little further. Do that. Boom! Glass bottle explodes. The, the guy who's now my brother-in-law, his car is not too far away, and we hear glass hit his car, and a piece of the glass caught my sister in the knee. I'm so much closer to it, and it all went around me, but it got her in the leg. A little cut in her knee. Kelly, I'm sorry, just in case you're watching on the stream. I'm still sorry. <laughs> when our freedom impinges on someone else's well-being, we're no longer free, right? That's a long story to illustrate that point. That I was celebrating freedom. I was, you know, exercising this freedom with fireworks that were probably not legal. That aside, when my freedom and my celebration makes glass fly through the air and hit cars and knees, I'm no longer free to do that. Whether or not it was legal in the state of Ohio, my action imposed on someone else's well-being. We're independent, we're free, but we're not completely free to do whatever we want, whenever we want, right? Laws put limits on us and expectations within our society do too. There's a mutual dependence, a concern in any society that we should do what is good for the whole, and not only good for the individual. So within this landscape of freedom yet not free, of independence yet interdependence, we, this morning, can celebrate that we are set free. This is what we heard in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, just the beginning words of it. For freedom, Christ has set us free. This is what we celebrate today. We'll put the flag on the pole and we'll, we'll dress in red, white and blue, many of us. We'll think about and celebrate our national independence, but the freedom that we celebrate today is freedom in Christ. We are free in Christ as our Savior. This is true freedom from sin, from death, from the power of the devil. The burden, the bondage, the chain, the, the slavery to it has been broken because we are set free. Paul goes on in Romans chapter 8, verse 2 to say it this way, For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. And to the Corinthians, he wrote words that we heard in the first song. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There's freedom. Now imagine Paul was writing to people who were early Christians. And in a culture that was imposed in its freedom by rule of Rome. And the earliest Christians were connected to Judaism. And, well, Judaism didn't appreciate Christianity, 
in those days. Where the Spirit of the Lord is there is freedom to people who are politically and religiously dominated in their lives by outside forces. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, though, there is freedom. And that freedom is what Jesus gives to us, freedom from guilt for our sin, freedom from the punishment that we deserve, freedom from the burden of a past if we're carrying those regrets. We are free. We're free from the law. God gave the law as instruction, as guidance, but the law never freed anyone. What the law does is put that burden upon us, that burden of trying to appease and please our God, which we could never do in our sinfulness. So the law only destroys kills, separates us from God, and points out our sin. That's the yoke of slavery that Paul goes on to talk about in verse 1 here. Not to submit again to a yoke of slavery, that yoke of the law. Not to come under the law like we're going to somehow, through our obedience, please God because it's never going to happen. It's the burden of keeping the rules perfectly. Too many rules oftentimes leads to rebellion. How many have known parents who've been pretty strict with kids only to have those kids rebel? I mean, PKs have a reputation. Thankfully, my PKs have been pretty good (laughs) most of the time. We are set free from all of that. Not that we use our freedom now as a license for worldly pleasure. That's not what this freedom is about. We're not set free to now live however we want. And Paul goes on in verse 13 to say this. You were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. See, that's what it can easily become if we assume... That in our freedom, we're free from punishment. We're free from all of it. We're free to do whatever we want, whenever we want, because, hey, I'm covered by grace. That isn't the answer. That's not what, that's why Paul points it out. Because that's in our human nature if we say, oh, there's no punishment for this. If, if suddenly we heard in the announcement that, the IRS would no longer enforce the rules of, you know, the tax code, that it was completely voluntary. How many of us would voluntarily comply with all the rules? Maybe not too many. If all of a sudden we heard, well, there's not going to be any highway patrol on the freeways anymore, but still obey the speed limit. We're not obeying the speed limit as it is, are we? A lot of us. Maybe most of us. If we heard that detectives were not going to investigate various crimes, we're just going to expect everybody to be on their best behavior, how do you think it would go? So the freedom that we have in 
Christ, freedom from this punishment that we would deserve, doesn't now give us license to live however we want, do whatever we want, and just grab all the pleasure and all everything that we desire, let's go. That's not what it is about. It sounds good, and it appeals to our American sense of freedom and entitlement to get all we can in this life. But that's not real and true freedom. We are free, but we're not really independent. If in a pursuit of happiness, my personal pleasure becomes greater than your need, that's, well, that's wrong. Instead, we are bound to love. This is how Paul goes on at the end of verse 13 into verse 14. But, see, verse 13 was the one about do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. And he goes on, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love the neighbor as yourself. You shall love your neighbor. This is how the law is fulfilled. This is what faith in Jesus and this freedom that we have in Christ drives us toward, toward love, toward love for neighbors. So we are bound to love. We're freed for a purpose. We're released from guilt so that we can help people who are in bondage. We're relieved from a burden so we can love our neighbor and carry their burdens with them. We're forgiven of our sin so that we can forgive and love is our new law and not as a burden like commandments but a joyful experience of people of faith that is our law love love one another and live free the new hampshire state motto is live free or die some of the pandemic conversations there was questions about freedom. What can we do? What should we do? What are we able to do? What, how much compliance should we, should we partake in? How long should we follow rules and regulations if they impose things on our opportunities for worship, on our expressions of faith? And those debates took place all the way up into the court system, to the Supreme Court, with questions over whether, you know, governors overstepped their bounds imposing restrictions on churches. There was a balance of obedience and ideals and a balance of desire to be living like normal with love for our neighbor. And it was important to love our neighbor, and that's why we put masks on, and that's why we social distance, and that way for a long time, most of you except for my family were at home. That was done in love for neighbor to limit the spread of the virus. That's what it looks like to live in freedom. Not free to do what we want. What we desire, I wanted everybody to be here. It wasn't easy, but it was necessary in love for neighbor. We have to guard our freedom. Because freedom is fragile. It's easily undermined. It's easily lost and hard to recover. Submit again to the yoke of slavery. This is from verse 1. 
Submit to the law again, and freedom is lost. Use our freedom as a license for desires, and freedom gets lost. Maybe not immediately. It still, still feels like we're free. But instead, we're to put to death the sinful nature. We have to guard and protect this freedom that we have by not getting imposed upon by rules and laws that impose upon us an undue burden and by not straying so far into this freedom that we engage in a lifestyle that is not of Christ. Instead, walk by the Spirit. This is what it means to live free. Walk by the Spirit. Verse 16 and then verse 25. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And verse 25. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Where it's translated keep in step with, it's a word that talks about uh, like military columns, how they walk together. Keeping in step with the Spirit is also keeping in step with our fellow soldiers. Keeping in step with one another, walking together, going the same direction, as led by the commander, Spirit, and walking together, shoulder to shoulder, with one another, on a mission, with a purpose. That's how we walk. That's how we lead our lives. So what's the Spirit leading you to do? Take the next step. As we keep in step with the Spirit, take that next step where he's leading you, where he's directing you, and bear the fruit of the Spirit. This is what Paul says in verses 22 and 23. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. We are free to live that way, freed from the burden of sin and guilt so that we can lead lives of love for neighbor, bearing the fruit of the Spirit in the things that we do. You are free. Be free. Celebrate your freedom in Jesus. Amen.